0: Group a couple weeks back. Uh, some in our group, we were remembering something, and I would just say this: if you, uh, if you were, there's an elephant in the room. Let's put it that way: there's an elephant in the room, and if you were alive and a an adult Christian in the '60s and '70s and '80s, when it comes to someone talking about faith, you know what the elephant is. There was a movement went through much of the Western world. Uh, and it took on a name eventually of word faith, and they had two primary focuses that seemed to get most of the attention. Uh, physical healing was part of it, and also having faith to, to use it to gain prosperity. And, you know, you know there was some theology that was uh, maybe just not healthy in some of that, but part of it, part of the reality was it was also a pushback, I think, against a very cessationist point of view that had come in and say, don't expect any miracles, don't expect any healing, don't expect God to do anything. And so this other thing kind of rose up and was saying maybe things that weren't all that strong and healthy. But I think this morning as we talk about faith, uh, this, this would have been a hot topic back in the 70s and 80s. It would have been one of, could be division or whatever, but I would just say now, I just think it's a great topic because we all know we need to grow in faith. We need to stretch our boundaries. Our pastor said early on in this presentation uh, at the beginning of this, he said, you need to move the boundary. Like some of us, we've, we've kind of come so far in our Christian life and we've kind of drawn a line and we say, well, that's as far as my faith can go. I would challenge us all, myself included, let's push through. Let's push through. Let's expect more. Uh, let's, let's grow in faith. If you got your Bibles, you can follow it. I think some of these are going to be on the screen this morning. Uh, this, this, this talk is entitled, Stretching Your Imagination. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 to 10 says this. This is a New Living Translation. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world would not have, would not have understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. Isn't that interesting? The powers to be, the spiritual do- dominions on the earth and the Roman Empire and all the darkness that was there to crush the Savior, to crucify him, If they would have known that his crucifixion was actually going to release all the blessings that Christians can have in their life, I don't think they would have killed him. I think they thought they were going to break this God movement and instead they actually released it to to become the reality that it is for all of us now. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Uh, but it was to Him that God but it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, for His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. So I, I hope this morning as we kind of move into this, this study of daring faith and in our life groups, if you're doing that as well, that we just are saying to God constantly, Lord, just take us deeper, take us further. Move, move us on down these, these tracks. Take us further along. Uh, we can't even imagine yet all that's available, all that God wants to do. You know, how could we even assume that we've got it all figured out? Of course we don't. But we're saying, Lord, open us up. Open up our imagination. Ephesians chapter 3, and this is the New Century Version. And I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep that love is. Isn't that a beautiful expression, just like this great big love? It's deep and wide. That sounds like a song, you know. Um, Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know, but I pray that you'll be able to know that love, that you'll be filled with the fullness of God, with God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we can ask or imagine. Really. Some of us are pretty good askers. We've got some pretty good imagination. But he's just saying, listen, not even close. Remember what he's done. He, He spoke the universe into existence. Fairly powerful. Fairly big. Can't measure it. He said, you come to me. There's more. In the experience of using faith to see something accomplished, who was the major player? Me, the asker, or God? In our life group, one of our members said, in reminiscing some of the feelings and thoughts they had back in the day when the Word Faith movement was uh, running on full bore, they said that, in some strange way as this faith movement focused more and more on the on the person asking and on their faith god actually diminished and the person became the bigger part of the equation but of course that's all wrong god's the major player he has the plan he has knowledge he has a heart for us he sees the future he knows what's best So we come to him as a major player and we bring requests knowing full well he knows more than me. And sometimes, yeah, I hear your heart, but I'm going to answer it this way because I know what's better. Uh, In one of the study books I read with the course, it says we sometimes ask the question, who do you think you are? That can be actually rude, like who do you think you are? You know. But we need to be asking, who do we think God is? The focus needs to be on him. He's the big deal. I got a question for you. Do you see faith in your everyday life? How much do you see faith in your everyday life? You know, you get up in the morning, we have our routines, we get ready, we go to work, we go to school, whatever. We have things that we do. How much in there is our faith being brought to bear? How much do we even, sometimes, honestly, I'd have to say it myself, do I even think about God? I'm just busy doing my thing. Where is the boundary of your faith? We've already, I've already said this to you, but... I want you to think about, I want you to be thinking about this this morning. Like, if I was to draw a line in my life, how far would I be willing to step in faith? How much do I use faith to live, to go to work, to do work? I want to read these scriptures um, without commentary. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness, righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as, as it is written the righteous will live by faith 2nd Corinthians 5 7 just very short but it, it, it's got a sharpness to it we live by faith not by sight Galatians two 20, I've been crucified with Christ I no longer live but Christ lives in me the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, we're going to kind of switch gears. I'm going to jump into the book of Joshua. Uh, kind of the lesson in the, in the sermon teaching and so on that came out of, uh, and it's in the study book as well, is using this, this little story of Joshua leading the people of Israel into the promised land. And uh, uh, Rick Warren made the comment. He said Joshua was probably about 80 years old when this all started to happen. So this morning, I just want to say that I hear all this talk about this becoming a younger church. We want to become younger. We want to grow younger. You know, I've heard it. You know, and all of us old people are rising up in rebellion. <laughs> We're going to burn our library cards. Actually, the opposite's true. We all want this young generation to know Christ. And to know him well. And we want to do everything we can in prayer or thought or whatever to say, you go, 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 go. Ouch. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, is there a doctor in the house? No. <laughs> but no, we're, we're, Rob Chartrand said to us, he said, listen, the older generations be investing in the ones coming up. Spend yourself, pour yourself into them. Psalm seventy-one, eighteen. This was kind of the verse that was in my heart when we wanted to kind of stir up again and have a seniors group in the church. It says, even when I'm old and gray, Lord, do not forsake me till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in their old age. And they will stay fresh and green. Sometimes we turn green, but we're not that fresh. You know what I'm saying? Like, The Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no wickedness in him. So, Joshua, God's going to use him as a champion of faith for the whole nation. Moses has died and it's now transferring to Joshua. So we're going to pick up the story and we're going to look at a couple going kind to of three main points about developing our faith. So Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 and that by the way that was the old people rant. I feel better now. I've been wanting to say that for a long time. So but I'm excited. Uh, the youth pastor came to me and is speaking right now. And he said, how long are you going to be? And I thought, well, should I be cutting it short or something? And then I find out <laughs> he's long-winded. So he wants me to keep going. You know, like. But I, I, I'll get you out of here. Joshua 1, 1 to 3. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you, uh, give to them, the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised. Listen, folks, if God Almighty says, I promise, can you take that to the bank? Is that a sure promise? I mean, if it isn't, then this whole Christian story is a waste of time. But if God Almighty says, I'm making you a promise, then we can stand on that. We can find courage and strength in that because God promised. The promise that was made to Moses has now been transferred as a channel through to Joshua who will lead the people And listen, as we wrestle with doubts and fears in our journey of faith, find the promises. If you want to, you can sing along, but I would encourage you not to. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let the praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing where? On the promises. You can't stand in doubt. You can't stand in fear. You'll get nowhere with it. You have to stand on promises. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. Oh, old songwriter had something figured out. Stand on a promise that won't fail. That's good counsel. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, where do you stand? On the promise. What has God said to me? Standing in the liberty where Christ makes free, we when we stand on the promise of God, it brings us to freedom. We're free to live. Uh, standing on the promises bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily. We're overcomers because we stand on a promise. Standing on the promises, I shall not fall. Why? Because it's secure. It's safe. What are you standing on? What are you standing on in your life? What, what's, your, what's your basis of security in all of life? Is it you and your strength and your wisdom and your capability, though it may be great? Or do you choose to say, I will stand on God's promises. I will stand on his truth. That will be my foundation. Carrying on into Joshua. Or pardon me, before we dive further into Joshua, I want to just read this. It came up in our staff meeting uh, uh, last week. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 8. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance, when it finishes its work, uh, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Honestly, I think myself and maybe some of you, we don't have a mature faith. We have faith. But it's not bedrock faith. It's not rooted faith. It's not mature. Uh, Always questioning God. That was one of the things that chased some of the faith movement was, you know, if it didn't work out, then what? Where's God? But he said, listen, when your faith is put under pressure and squeezed until it hurts, be joyful about that because that is going to produce bedrock faith in your life. And I think God would want all of us in Hillcrest Church to be in that place in our life. And that's why I would say, all I'm not going back in that old rant again, but seniors, tell your stories. Talk to, talk to younger people about what God has done in your life, what you've seen on your farm when the sky fell in, and yet God was there. We need to share with each other and build each other up in our faith so that we are mature in our faith. Later in that James passage, it says, when you ask, you must believe. And don't doubt. Don't doubt. Okay, promise number two, back to Joshua. Chapter 1, verse 5 to 9. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And when I read this, I feel like shouting it. Because that same phrase shows up sprinkled through Scripture, Old and New Testament. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Is that a promise? What are you facing right now? What's the toughest thing you're running into right now? Do you understand that your God has said to you, listen, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Oh, but I feel I will never leave you and i will never forsake you i'll never let you go so be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land i swore to their ancestors to give them that was a promise you're going to get that land be very, be strong and very courageous repeat it be careful to obey all the law of moses my servant <clears throat> gave you do not turn from it to the right or to the left Man. that's good, right? That's good. I know sometimes I don't think I believe that. You get into a certain kind of circumstance. God, where are you? And if we would listen, there'd be a whisper. I'm right here. I'm right here. I've made a promise, and I cannot break my promise. My promise is that if you will then give your life to me, I will connect with you, and I will never leave you. And I want to say this this morning across this room. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, no matter what your circumstances are right now, God has not left you. He never will. And in due time, that awareness is going to soak back in and you're going to feel a great comfort and a great peace and you just, a smile will spread across your face and you'll say, my God is with me. I'm getting emotional. My God is with me. He will never leave me. And I feel confused and afraid and whatever, but my God is with me. He's watching over me and I mean, how big is God for Pete's sake? Like, what what enemy force is going to all take God out? Good luck with that. He's powerful, He knows everything. He is the very picture of love. And He said, I'll be with you. I'll be right there with you. I feel better after that rant, too. How are you feeling? Is God with you? Do you know that? I mean, do you really know that? We need to know that. In the journey of faith, there's promises. We've just looked at a couple of those, and there's all kinds of promises. I don't know who said this, whether you said it, Pastor Steve, or somebody. Put put the promises in, in the vault of your mind. You, we should be reading and studying Scripture and, and gleaning and memorizing and absorbing The promises of God, so they're here. When I need them, i got a promise. There's a promise. I can grab it. It's in my heart. It's in my system. I put it into my little computer. And when I need it, I just say, yeah, but God said. Yeah, yeah, I know it's circumspect, but God said. I've got a promise. Now, Joshua and all the people were now directed to cross the Jordan. To begin to receive the promise that there was a land for them and they were not going to be, no, no enemy was going to defeat them. God was going to be with them. And so they got the promise and they got everything. And for some of us, that's where the story stops. You know, this side of the Jordan is quite pleasant. I think we'll just stay here. You know. If you read the story, we're going to read it in a minute, but the, the river is, you see the, the pictures of Holy Land tours, it's like this gentle stream with butterflies and things. At certain times of the year, as it was this time of the year, it was a roaring flood. I mean, the Mooshjaw River doesn't look that threatening much of the summer, late summer. It's just this little thing kind of going through the city. But have you been here for some of the floods that Moose Jaw's had? I mean, Waccamaw Park is Lake Waccamaw. And she's just ripping through town, tearing stuff up. You can drive. If you go to Corrine, I think it is, and go south on the highway to Plentywood, Montana, you'll see the beginning of the watershed of the Moose Jaw River. Is that right? I think that's right. It covers a huge area of the province, comes flooding through Moose Jaw, So it doesn't look like much. But the Jordan, when this is happening, it's a, it's a raging river. And they're saying, you know, that's that's nice. That that promised land looks good, but but this is good. We'll just stay here. There's we can lean to here, and you know. Faith will always demand action. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to put your foot in. I think we, I think for some of us, that's where the boundary is. I can't dare to step further. Joshua chapter 3, verse 2 to 4, after, the, after three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, you know that story, that's the presence of God, man, that's like the marking spot of God, the Ark of the Covenant, that's a holy thing. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. Isn't that an interesting comment? Some of us, I really feel that a bunch of us right now, and not just because of this service this morning, but in the study and maybe just in where you've been in your life, you're feeling God saying, come on, let's go further. Let's move into more. And, and we're, we're, we're kind of standing over here and we say, well, I, I don't know how to get there. I don't know the pathway. And God says, you don't need to. Just follow me. I'll take you. Come with me. Follow the ark. We'll get there. Move out of your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've Never been this way before, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Don't go too close. God's not to be fooled with. They never get to forget that. This is a holy being. Following God's presence, new path into the promised land. And here we go, and this is where I'm going to conclude. Joshua three fifteen to 16. Now the Jordan was, is at a flood stage during, all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from the stream stopped flowing. As soon as they got there and put their foot in, the raging torrent stopped and across they went. It was good to go. Now, this is where I'm going to stick my foot in it a bit. When I came here, in back here, when I came here before 2012, 2012 to 2015, God was stirring prayer in my heart and life. It was it was a personal thing. It wasn't for anybody else in a sense. It was for me. God was developing my prayer life. And Alan Buchanan used to tell me, don't forget you came here with a mandate on prayer. Don't forget to tell us that. And he'd, he'd send me little emails once in a while just Brother Dave, you know, don't forget. I came back here in 2021, I think, uh, and Pastor Laura had done a deep dive into prayer ministries with the help of some of the rhythms that Steinbeck had developed, and there was some momentum in that. And then I came back, and I I don't have near the (laughs) structural organizational skills as this dear lady does, and... uh, but even, I think both of us have talked lots, and we, our hearts are the same. But honestly, folks, I don't feel like we've crossed that Jordan yet. I don't. And this is not judgmental or critical on you or putting anybody down. I understand how busy life is, but I'll just, I'll just say it this way so you get my point. Next time Pastor Kurt calls us to a, an evening of prayer... What would happen if 400 people walked into the building? You know, I'm telling you, I think there's the. I think during the celebration of the hundred years, I think not only did we get an encouraging look back at God's faithfulness, do you not feel that we were kind also kind of getting a push, like come on, that you're not done moving yet, like there's more. You don't just keep repeating what you've done. You're going to go deeper. You're going to go further. I think we all kind of felt that in different ways throughout the services and some of the worship or in some of the uh, people from the past who were sharing their journey. Yeah. So how does Hillcrest get from where we are to the promised land? Step into the river. And I I want to just say this, and, and I don't see Kurt here this morning, but... The next time that's announced, let's all show up. Why not? Oh, well, I'm busy. (laughs) I know. But if we're going to get across the Jordan, we're going to have to take a step. Something's going to have to be a little bit different. That's going to have to be a priority. The, maybe the priority. One of your aspirational goals in Generation uh, Hillcrest Next was a house of prayer. And again, please don't think I'm scolding, I'm talking to myself. we got to go. we got to get into this. we got to follow the ark. And, uh, and I would say in your personal life, uh, you may have other things that are a Jordan River for you. You've come this far in your faith journey and this far in your Christian life, and it's been good. But God is saying to you, you have not arrived at the promised land yet. There's another step for you. There's a deeper thing for you. Uh, Dave and I have had talks and he, and our men's group, it, the stirring of God, what, what could happen if we really could somehow get going and see more of the work of the Holy Spirit and, and more life in the house and people being touched and healed and restored? Lord, is there more for us? I think there is. I think there is. And it's in all of us. There's something in all of us. That we bring to that table I'm going to pray and I think the worship team should be ready to come back I hope the youth guy hasn't run out of time over there yet so (laughs) but let's just pray and then I'm gonna turn it to the worship team and our pastor to close it up let's just pray Lord grow our faith develop us mature us in faith Take us deeper. Raise our expectation. Raise our vision, our imagination. Let us see more. Lord, we know that there's a a city around us and a a community around us and a province around us It really needs you. It needs all the wonderful power and love that God can bring to bear. And Lord, we want to partner with you We want to walk with you. We want to follow you deeper into your promises, deeper into knowing all that you can do. I pray you would develop us and grow us in faith. Amen.
1: Pastor Dave and I did not speak about what song we should sing at the end, but it's a really... Fitting song. So, shall we stand and respond this morning?